Hello and welcome to Two Bald Men and Friend, the show where we talk about issues and ideas using pop culture as the springboard. I'm your host, Joe, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Alex. Bonjour. And Dan. Hola. Today we're talking about Deadpool 2 and the MPAA rating system. So spoiler alert for Deadpool and Deadpool 2. Sit back, relax, or if you're driving, sit upright and continue to drive vigilantly. So guys, what did we all think about Deadpool 2? It, I was a big fan. I pretty much the whole time was smiling, enjoying myself, turning over to the people next to me going, Wow. <laughs> I couldn't even think of a joke that good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, dang, it's smart writing and hilarious and had a ton of fun watching. Yeah, it was a lot of good jokes, a lot of like really fun scenes with uh, action and comedy. Um, I will say I definitely liked the first one better, but this one was still a fun watch. I'd still, I'd still say it's worth it to go see. I'm going to say that I enjoyed Deadpool 2 better, actually. Really? Um, a big issue I had with Deadpool 1 was that the overarching plot was him thinking that his girlfriend would be disgusted by him, by his look. And, like, that was, like, what drove him the whole movie. Yeah, and drove him to staple. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that picture of Wolverine over his face now. Man, I... At this point, I have a very hard time considering these superhero films as films anymore. They really just feel like serialization, like... Episodic. Like, episodic, like... If, if I'm talking, like, movie and cinema... Even though Deadpool 2 is constantly, it's like, wow, and it's like, this is this is just the first act or whatever. It's like, wow, I guess we won't need an act three. Like, they clearly have a three-act structure, but, it, like, while I'm watching it, I'm like, I, I don't care about any of this, like, movie and structure. I'm just, like, having fun on the ride, and, like, it's... Like, I, movie should be. <laughs> I, I guess, yeah. I mean, spoiler alert, every movie has a three-act structure. <laughs> Yeah, ouch. Um, every film has a three-act structure. <laughs> I think... I hated the structure of the film, and I loved the actual film watching, so... <laughs> a big thing for me with Deadpool 2 was that in Deadpool 1, Deadpool was, like, the funniest, and then other people, like, had their joke moments. In this one, everyone was as funny as Deadpool, so, like, even though, yeah, I was laughing at all the jokes, I was like, oh, like, when everyone's Deadpool, Nobody nobody's is. Deadpool. So. <laughs> Which brings oh. us to Incredibles 2. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's less fun to have this fourth wall-breaking character if everyone's doing it. So that was kind of why I was like, oh, I think I like the first one better. But like I said, I still laughed at all the jokes that everyone was making. It's great during that James Bond intro cinematic or whatever. It's it. like yeah. starring someone who doesn't like to share the spotlight. Yeah. <laughs> um, one thing I liked about the advertisement for Deadpool 2 was don't like superhero movies? Good. This movie's for you. And because like, it is a superhero movie, but it's obviously making fun of other superhero movies. And I'm appreciative of the fact that, like, well, I do like superhero movies, but I also like making fun of myself. So this <laughs> is a perfect combination of getting that, like, superhero vibe and, like, energy, but also, like, being made fun of the whole time. On that sort of note, can I just say how much I hate, hate the plot contrivance of 
one of those superpowers or powers in the universe, and then there's chains or collars that deplete you of powers. <laughs> I hate that plot point with a burning passion. Uh, X-Force. <laughs> I mean, what are you going to do? I really enjoyed them assembling a team just so that everyone dies. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I loved how immediate it was. We can't even enjoy the fact, whoa, Terry Crews is in this film. No, he's, <laughs> he's not. <laughs> And we, the Vanisher is invisible the whole time, and then, like, he's gonna get hit by electricity, and immediately I'm like, oh, we're gonna get to see what he looks like while he's getting shocked. And it's Brad Pitt. Yeah, yeah it's, it's Brad Pitt. There are a lot of fun, like, whoa, did you see that moments? Uh, like, in the first Deadpool, Deadpool makes a joke how there's never any other X-Men in the mansion, and then in this one he makes the same joke, and then all the X-Men from the new run, like, X-Men Apocalypse, like, just close the door so they don't have to talk to <laughs> yeah, him. Yeah, Beast is like, <laughs> that oh, it's really great. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you know your actors in your films, because, boy, does this make a lot of references that go over your head. <laughs> yeah. Um, the fact that... There's, like, a Terminator. You better know who, um... Not Sean Connor. Uh, he yeah, the Sean yeah. Connor <laughs> thing for Terminator. And also Colin Cable Thanos. Mm -hmm. I thought it was just, like, a reference to he's the villain right now, but it turns out he plays Thanos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, When I watched Deadpool 1, I literally thought to myself, like, oh, Ryan Reynolds is so handsome, and he's like a burn victim throughout this movie. I really hope in Deadpool 2 they have an opportunity <laughs> to for me to get to see Ryan Reynolds normally. And they do. They, they, yeah. they did it. <laughs> Read my mind. I will say, yeah, there's, like, two pet peeves in Deadpool 2. Not that it kept me from enjoying it, but A, the superhero removal collar, and then B, we have dead girlfriend in the first act. I'm like, okay, we're going down this route. <laughs> Fine. Whatever, I'm on board. Your luckiness is genius. <laughs> yeah. The director was someone who killed John Wick's dog. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely okay with the tropes, specifically because they're making fun of them. Although it like helps the, they do use it to drive the story. They're also pointing out how ridiculous it is. Mm -hmm. I liked when he has the collar on; he gets his cancer back. That I <laughs> yeah. thought was a hilarious point. He's literally puking over in a toilet stall. It's like oh, I'm gonna just wait for my tumors to grow back. <laughs> yeah, I forgot that was a, a problem that he had. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So I was like, oh man, he's. He's gonna die. <laughs> oh no. Um, I really enjoyed when he gets the collar off, how like he's basically like bent in half. <laughs> oh, yeah. But then the collar's off, so he's like, oh okay, I'm I'm fine now. Regeneration <laughs> powers. Hey, uh, I felt like they didn't play around with it as much as they did in the first movie, his like regeneration powers. They kind of had like he strangled Cable with his own that's noodle true. arm. That's that true was too. hilarious. Yeah. Um, they are inconsistent. I will say yeah. with like how much it hurts him. Yeah. Like sometimes they're like he's like ow ow ow, and other times he like just gets shot by bullets and is like oh I'm used to the pain. Or how yeah. quickly they can kick in in the sense of the when he gets uh, eviscerated in half by a juggernaut and he's gotta grow back his baby legs. Yeah. <laughs> Which Baby is, legs, um, regular legs. Yeah. <laughs> That's Which, all um, think. yeah, it didn't really match up with the fact that he tried to kill himself and was in pieces, and then he gets dragged to the X-Men mansion, mm -hmm. and then he's back in one piece. 
three days had passed. We were told three days passed. Okay. But not so Maybe. I, what I imagined was that, like, if you just put all the pieces near each other, like, they would regenerate back. Like the Iron Giant. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess it all just grows back from his head. Yeah. So he, at some point, was well, all baby. Yeah, I was expecting to see him with, like, a baby body. <laughs> um, that's another thing. I For the R rating, I mean, we'll get into more of this with the rating system. I'm not sure if they're allowed to show a penis, but they kept making references to, like, your dick's out, and then they would show Deadpool, and it clearly wasn't. Mm-hmm. So I was like, that's weird for this movie to just not show it if you're going to like keep talking about it. And not only is your dick out, but you have the body of a baby, yeah. and your dick is I'm like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> you do see like a little red stuff. Yeah, there's a little once. something. <laughs> yeah. But you're absolutely right. Like If they're going to keep referencing yeah. it, like, literally every joke was that his penis was out, and then they kept showing him, and it wasn't. Classic, classic Hollywood censorship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see a baby... Pe- oh, no, I'm going to uh, say that. Never mind, I, I take that back. <laughs> I, I see maybe where I'm... I'm on the wrong side of history. <laughs> I, I understand. Um, so what would you think, in the sense... It's a very popular tactic with the, uh, the ratings board when you do have these sort of risque films, is to just up the ante to make, put in, like, the grossest stuff possible. So when it does go by the board, they're like, okay, take out the super gross stuff, but you can keep your your other dick jokes and stuff. What did you think... What would you think if... Uh, is it, like, the original cut of the Deadpool 2 film? Do you think there's actual full-on dick and then they're told <laughs> to remove it? Or if this is, like, the original intent of the, of the joke? Yeah, I think... It wouldn't be ridiculous to think that they over-exaggerated so that when they got edited, they got to keep the stuff that they wanted. So, yeah, I'd be open to thinking, like, they put full-on dick. They put a lot of more... Were there any, like, sex scene opportunities? I'm trying to even think if there's a single titty in the movie. Um, I, th- I guess in the beginning, like, there's the opportunity, but they immediately get into the Death. murder scene. So, maybe not... Um, so yeah, I guess the R rating is all about, in this case, the violence. Which then... totally makes sense, because it, it, it's, uh, it gets real at certain points. Um, Deadpool's ripped in half at one point. What's his face? Zeitgeist gets flung into a wood chipper. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I agree. Oh, man, full-on Fargo style. <laughs> um, one thing I enjoyed was... Every time something happened to Deadpool, there'd be more duct tape on his costume. And yeah. so from scene to scene, he'd have like more and more duct tape. And then the most recent one was duct tape all over his torso where he <laughs> yeah. got ripped in yeah. half. Yeah. That was really fun. That reminds me of the, uh, the Batman Arkham Asylum games. Uh, it all takes place during one night. You start out with a pristine bat suit. By the end, it's just beaten to crap and there's <laughs> holes in it, the cape. But, um... <laughs> they made some jokes about the DC universe, and it was hilarious. Just going back and making fun of the comic book movies. Yeah, he did. He did say, "I am Batman," and he also mentioned, "Like, oh, that's dark. Are you sure you're not from the DC universe?" Yeah. He uh, he has a scene where Deadpool's traveling through time, and he kills Ryan Reynolds after he gets the Green Lantern script. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a good. That was was that was the after credits, or was that? Yeah. Okay. Would you like to think that him saving his girlfriend, even though it's an after credit scene, would you like to think of that as canon? 
Because I would. Personally, because I'm dead, like sick of dead girlfriends. <laughs> I would like to think of it as canon, not for the dead girlfriend thing, but because he also saves Peter, and I really want Peter to be okay. <laughs> well, he saves his girlfriend, and then he saves Peter. So in my mind, like the Peter moment wouldn't have happened if he had saved his girlfriend. That's also a good point. So my guess is those were all just references that didn't actually yeah, come true. Probably. Because I still know the Green Lantern movie exists. Yeah. So therefore, he didn't actually fix any timeline. Yeah. <laughs> Ouch, you're right. Well, now I'm sad. <laughs> uh, Negasonic Teenage Warhead. She had a cutie girlfriend, Yukio. <laughs> I really like that running gag of like, hey, Wade. Hey, Yukio. <laughs> it's like a little sparkle yeah. hand wave. I also like the, you have a girlfriend? Yeah, you intolerant prick. He's like, whoa, no, I'm not intolerant. I just can't You're imagine. You're just an ass. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine anyone dating you. I like him. <laughs> yeah, there was some very, um, uh, where we are as a society jokes in there. It's like, okay, we're all going to refer to you as, like, gender neutral pronouns, like Domino speaks up. It's like, shut up, Peter. It's like, I'm actually. Peter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I really enjoyed, um, when Negasonic says something along the lines of like, we're X-Men, and then Deadpool goes, no, you're X-People. <laughs> it's like, what is this? Some dated, uh, dated reference for racism in the 1960s. <laughs> but yeah, overall, going back to the conversation of Deadpool 1 versus Deadpool 2, I think I enjoyed Deadpool 2 more, if not for the references. Um... And just the overarching plot. I guess they had more material to make fun of. Now that... No, not even that. I don't know what it was. I think what lets me... Or makes me enjoy maybe the second film slightly more is... I felt the constraints on the first film towards the end there. Not that like... Not that I can feel like, oh, this movie clearly didn't have as big a budget as you would expect. But, um... I felt that there was more they wanted to say and then couldn't do with the first film that the second film delivered on. I could see that being like, okay, the first one was a gamble and it was really good, so this one we're going to give you more freedom so they could do a lot more. Like, I'm sure they couldn't get away with killing off X-Force in the first movie. <laughs> um, so yeah, I could see that in the first one, them being a little bit more boxed in. Um, and may honestly, I haven't seen... Deadpool 1 since the first time I saw it, which was over a year ago, so maybe I'd have to watch both of them, mm -hmm. maybe back to back, and then make a more educated uh, opinion on it. Yeah, the one scene that sticks out to me in Deadpool 1 that I would that I thought was a better fight sequence was when he's sitting on the bridge, he's listening to music, and then he like mm -hmm. hops down and like is like fighting everyone in the van and stuff like that. I didn't feel like I got a lot of that specifically from Deadpool in Deadpool 2, but there were a lot of good fight scenes where Deadpool wasn't the main character fighting. And yeah. I enjoyed those as well. <laughs> All of Domino's choreography was on. So I remember I was talking about like the choreography. Like All I could remember from the first film is that bridge scene uh, shootout you're talking about. And all I can think of is this one is the ridiculous... Um, Domino walking in on the scene, the mirror hits the sun reflection just right, so, um, Cable, like, uh, his shot is slightly off, hits the car behind, flies forward for Domino to leap off. Like, oh. 
<laughs> I love yeah. that sort of butterfly effect things. And that's what Deadpool was on, like, his little moped. <laughs> yeah. And was like, you're lucky? Like, how is that going to look great on, like, a big screen? Or, like, how is the cinematography of yeah. luck going to be displayed? Yeah. That's ridiculous. And also the subverting tropes thing again, where Deadpool makes his super heroic leap from his moped and just misses the car entirely. <laughs> and oh, yeah, I love when he, le- in the very beginning, where he's like, okay, superhero landing, and he lands on his knee, and, like, you hear a crunch, and he's like... <laughs> Oh, that's so impractical. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, overall, yeah, we liked it. Uh, It was very entertaining. I'll definitely say that. Um, And I think a big part of that is because it got the R rating that it needed. For years, the studio was like, just make it PG-13. And Ryan Reynolds and the whole cast and crew behind it were very adamant about it being R-rated. Um, and luckily they got it for the first one, and it was a huge success. And so I guess now we can just kind of start talking about the rating system and how arbitrary it is and how it can kind of like make or break movies. Yeah, I think one thing to point out is what's the reason that the studio wanted a PG-13 superhero movie? I mean, it was... So that more people can see it, supposedly. Mm-hmm. The idea is for marketing purposes is if it's PG-13, then more teenagers can go see it. Parents aren't forced to bring along their kids and yeah. stuff like that. Are hitting our prime demographic, which yeah. is geared towards for kids. Right. And it's uh, frustrating for adults who like superhero movies. <laughs> yeah. I remember when the first Deadpool was like, oh, came out or whatever. It's like, oh, there's literally children in this theater. Like, what is wrong with parents? Mm-hmm. Or whatnot. Yeah. And there are times where the rating system is helpful because I remember reading on Facebook and reading articles and hearing stories of parents being like, wow, yeah, I brought like my kid there and I had to bring them out within the first five minutes. I wish they had warned us that this wasn't um, like a, just a regular superhero movie. And we're all like, they did. The rating was R. R. <laughs> and I, I like that. I don't know if these are true, but people would like message Ryan Reynolds and be like, hey, like, can you guys drop it to PG-13 so like my brother can come see it? Or like, hey, like, can I bring my kid to this? And Ryan Reynolds was like, no, don't do that. I, I don't want you to do it. I don't care if we'll get more money because you'll have to buy an extra ticket. It's an R-rated movie. Um, so the, the rating system can help. A little history on the rating system. It used to be uh, only G, PG, R, and then NC-17. And then um, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom came out. And people were very upset because that movie was rated PG and it was, there's some like really graphic human (laughs) sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah, Some really graphic imagery in that. And so Steven Spielberg not wanting people were starting to say, you should rate these movies R and he didn't want to lose out on the kid market and he didn't want to change anything about his movies. So he went to the MPAA and suggested a bunch of different new ratings one of them being PG-13. So it was like, it's PG, but it's it's a little bit more violent, a little bit more cursing, a little bit more adult situations. And the rating and the um, MPAA was like, okay, yeah, that works for us. We'll make PG-13 a new rating. And from then on, 
pretty much studios only wanted to make PG-13 movies because you could get away with more, but you didn't have to cut out half of your audience. It hit an excellent sweet spot that was obviously much needed in that uh, 80s, the late 70s market, yeah. for sure. And you'll definitely notice like there aren't many G movies, mm-hmm. if, if any at all, in theaters anymore. It's all like PG or PG-13. That's like the main, main demographic for kids and for teenagers. And then the parents get forced into both. Uh, And then like, yes, there are still R-rated movies, but it's very specific to either very, very violent or very, very sexual. And like, that's just for, I guess, the adults. And I think it was Shrek. Was Shrek the movie that really pushed cartoons to be like... Wait, we can all be PG. Like, what's yeah. the point of G at this point? Yeah, for the most part, uh, Pixar movies, Disney movies were all G. For and the, then Shrek came out. For the longest time, yet yeah, Disney and Pixar were just G, G across the board. It hasn't been until as of late with films. We've saw, if you've seen uh, PG, I think Incredibles, first Incredibles was the first PG. Oh, was for, it? For Pixar, yeah. And that one I would kind of understand it being G. You know, there's themes of uh, adultery and sex and things like that. Like, that would sort of make sense, I guess, justifiably. Um, but, like, Inside Out is PG. Everything since Incredibles, if that was the first PG, all the Pixar movies since then have been PG, and they really don't need to be. I think the idea, mm-hmm. in, in my mind, is G is general audience. But no matter what, a parent is going to have to bring a child. Right. (laughs) And so it gets to a point where it's like, might as well make everything PG because they will have parental guidance anyway. Yeah. And that would give us opportunities to throw in adult humor so that the parent can enjoy it while the kid is enjoying the things despite Mm -hmm. a bunch of jokes going over their head. Yeah, we talked about this. I'm not sure if it's I just didn't pick up on jokes when I was a kid. Or if those jokes just weren't there, and now I see them because the studios are putting them in just so they can get the PG rating, because G is kind of like a scarlet letter of like, this is just for babies. Like, you put this on while like you're watching the dishes, and like, you're wondering... Yeah, this movie is going to babysit your kid. Yeah, (laughs) and then PG is like, no, this is a, a film that you can enjoy too, parents, so you should come see it in the theater with your kid. I definitely remember as a, uh... As, like, an elementary schooler or whatever, it's like, oh, you're gonna go watch that film? It's like, it's rated G, it's for babies. It's like, Shrek is rated PG. Uh, I'm sure that mindset is, like, far, far obsolete, but uh, I think the babysitting metaphor you made is pretty apt today. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but overall, like, this is the rating system that we've all grown up with, and it's the one that we sort of, at least for me never questioned it's kind of like well this is what it is and i didn't start thinking about how arbitrary it was or how it how much it affected the storyline in hollywood and in and in films until probably college where i'm like wait a minute this is a this is a form of censorship (laughs) i think what makes the least sense to me personally is the fact that each medium has a has a different sort of society like films have the the MPAA yes. and then it's um uh for music you'll have 
the just explicit parental um, mm-hmm. that black and white logo on the the bottom left, and then for video games, you'll have the the E uh, T for Teen. I'd say video games emulate the film system. Yeah, I most. agree. Most most uh, games. I mean, now that I can buy them, a lot of them are rated M. But um, I think the majority of games are T for Teen, and that you know, kind of matches the PG-13. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, it's a little violent, so adults are going to want to play it, but not violent per se. It's a little adult, so adults will want to play it, but you can also, you know, get teenagers that can buy it as well. So we don't have to cut out a big portion of the people that are going to buy this video game. Yeah. Um, a big part of the rating system that came into the film industry was to stop censorship Prior to the rating system, it was kind of like, either we produce it or we don't. Mm-hmm. And it's decided, like, well, that's too graphic, so we're just not going to show it, and that's a form of censorship. So they came up with the rating system, but most filmmakers agree that the rating system itself is also a form of censorship. Because they really have no means. There, There isn't actually, like, a list of conditions to set one rating versus another it's often a lot of like how people feel that day or relative to something else what rating is this and it's sometimes very arbitrary and bias and biased and a lot of us and general society know a couple of rules like oh it can still be pg-13 if it only says fuck once and it Mm -hmm. isn't in reference to sex and it can still be pg-13 and that's something that i've known for a couple of years now Mm -hmm. but i never questioned like who decided that yeah it's a very hard and fast rule for something that is completely dependent on context and like is subjective so it's it's a really weird like you said arbitrary system yeah and the, the people who are choosing this rating one they're like almost like mythical like it's really hard to get in contact with whoever is in charge of that but also the idea is that they are upholding the morality of a regular parent or a a normal parent and questioning whose morality like is it a christian morality is it like um that's basically the only example because that's the one that's being followed it's a it's a catholic or christian morality that is obviously very biased. Um, when you think of the discrepancy between R and NC-17, it has a lot to do with female pleasure and gay pleasure. And mm-hmm. it sort of changes the rating from R to NC-17 based on heteronormative conditions and what people should be comfortable seeing. Yeah, um, I think the name of the movie is um, Life is Strange, and that's rated R, and the only thing that happens is it's about a gay couple, and you see them in bed together, not like having sex, just like laying down, going to bed, and I think they kiss at one point, and that got it an R rating. Um, I'm thinking of a, I forget what movie it is, but they are like kissing and making out. I think it was some sort of cheerleading movie. Nope, 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 nope. It was a movie where two girls get sent to um, a camp, basically like the Pray the Gay Away type of camp. Okay. Um, And they're seen like sort of falling in love and like they do have like a sort of, oh, they have a masturbation scene, but it's completely clothed. Um, She's touching herself like over her underwear 
and it's very zoomed out, so it's really just like seeing her squirm. And it got an NC-17 rating, and the director of this movie had just seen the trailer for American Pie. And in the trailer for American Pie, you see him masturbate with a pie. Like, you see him hump yeah. the pie in the trailer, and it was rated R. And she was like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> and they weren't. They weren't kidding at all. <laughs> they still got the NC-17 rating. I feel like a lot of um, those arbitrary rules you brought up, they're definitely brought up with um, a precedent with one movie gets away with it, and then the following movies try to... Uh, emulate the equivalent and then they are surprised if it pops up with an nc-17 in that instance um and like joe sort of mentioned before it's the context is so so important and i feel like it's always overlooked mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um i'm thinking of love simon where he gets the opportunity to say like fuck you to the person who outed him online and immediately I turned to who I was watching it with and I was like, they used their one fuck. They did it. They got to use it. And it was such a powerful moment. And mm-hmm. he should have deserved to say it. And I'm glad that he did. But it's ridiculous that they needed to, like, save it. Like, as if teenagers don't say fuck all the time and shit and bullshit <laughs> yeah. and all of that. And it's weird that it's the one fuck. Like, it's, it's if he had said, fuck you, man, fuck you... Now it's an R-rated movie. Yeah. Um, there was... Uh, Which was probably bought about. It's like, what? You can't ruin the integrity of this film. Like, the word, uh, fuck, it doesn't have the, the context that we refer to. It's like, okay, I guess you can rate it PG-13 or whatever. It's like, they they got to use it. I was like, they used it once. Okay, fine. I guess the rule now is we use it once. Yeah. And then we've we've destroyed all the surrounding context <laughs> to it because we, we set an arbitrary rule instead of looking at the content around it. Yeah, there's um, supposedly a rule that 400 curse words will bump you up from an R to an NC-17 oh, rating. Oh, is it Wolf of Wall Street? Is that no, um, the uh, South Park movie oh, used man. 399 curse words and still got an R rating. Even though the rest of that movie is bananas, like, upsetting. <laughs> uh, they were still like, well, you had the 399, so... That's all we were counting. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. We didn't even pay attention to the film. We actually just... We were received the script on a Word document. We pressed Control F to yeah. find. We typed in all the curse words we know. We counted them, and you're good. Hey, we didn't even read it. <laughs> Speaking of um, the South Park movie, yeah. Dan, earlier you brought up that movies will like put in things to distract from. Mm-hmm. Uh, the South Park movie did that, and they didn't distract the MVAA. So there's a scene with like a dildo, but they used like a picture of like an actual penis. And they sent it to the MPAA being like, okay, like they'll say just use a fake penis and then like we'll keep all the other stuff. But they didn't notice. <laughs> so now it's just in the movie. Yeah. So good. Um, that movie Team America where all of the puppets, there is a sex scene that they said that they recorded a bunch of sex scenes that they didn't want included in the movie so that they would get edited out and so they'd keep the stuff that they wanted. Originally, they were told, like, only two positions max, and one of them has to be missionary. And they were like, how are we going to get a joke out of that? So they, like, put in a bunch of, like, disgusting things of, like, she's pooping on his face and she and he's peeing on her. And a bunch of scenes that they didn't want in the movie, 
but scenes that they knew were going to be edited out so that they could keep what they did want and they could keep the integrity of the joke of Barbie dolls um, being mashed together to demonstrate sex, which I think is a great joke. What a great joke. (laughs) Good for them for trying their hardest to keep it. (laughs) Yeah, so it just goes to show that like these studios have to jump through hoops in order to get the movie they want because there's really no way to know what they're going to get rated. And if they disagree with their rating, they like don't know who to go talk to about it. Yeah, there's no means of contacting. And there are usually no notes mm-hmm. or strikes that come with it because like according to them, well, if we told you specifically what was wrong, then it's just a form of censorship. And it's really just like a feeling that we have in the room when we're watching it. That could change based on the weather of the day. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and even with that, there are still movies that get a bunch of notes that say like, no, edit specifically this out and we'll, and we'll make it PG-13 or we'll make it R instead of NC-17. Um, and it, it just frustrates me and it frustrates a lot of people that the idea of setting precedent doesn't even apply here. Like, mm-hmm. at least in the judicial court, you can comp- you can always be referencing like Supreme Court cases and be like, no, look, this is what they said was the law, and then people have to listen. Mm-hmm. And with the NCAA, it's like, no, I mean, that was then, this is now, times are changing. And it's like, actually, that's not the worst philosophy, but in this yeah. scenario... <laughs> well, they're not following that scenario, is the <laughs> yeah. problem. They're following it like the opposite way. You know what I mean? Like... Oh, well, it's just a gay couple kissing. Times are changing. Yeah, but, you know, like, the past is the past. (laughs) Um, And it's best that we keep things the same, so... um, I want to point out some PG-rated movies that, if you've seen, you would know uh, should not be PG, at least nowadays. Um, Gremlins, which is just a bona fide monster movie. Mm -hmm. It's PG. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, melting, that, Nazis. Uh, melting Nazis. <laughs> melting Nazis. Um, Beetlejuice. Some adult situations in that movie. And then Jaws. But uh, Jaws did, even though it was PG, it had a special warning saying it might be too intense for children. Interesting. Which I think is like kind of a good model to have. Yeah, maybe that's what we can use. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of a rating system of like... G, PG, PG-13, R, NC-17, it can just be a, here's a movie, look at the trailer before cramming, mm-hmm. and you decide if it's appropriate for you yeah. or not. <laughs> I would almost argue, on every single rating, there's always tagged on there, whether it's mild language, explicit language, drug use. If there is no way, if I look up a new film, can I look more into what specific drugs are being used mm-hmm. that I can be worried about, which explicit language is it so i can avoid a movie with slurs there's no way to like hit expand plus on that um that's um that little disclaimer tag to find out like more of if this film would be appropriate or not Mm -hmm. and i do like we talked about the video game rating system before um it's a similar that you can't really expand but i think their disclaimers are a lot more specific they'll say like tobacco use Drug mm-hmm. use, cartoonish violence, really mild violence, yeah. things like that. So you can better gauge what's what game you're buying for your kid. But with the movies, like you said, it's just drug and language, 
and then the guy snorting heroin and calling somebody the n-word it's yeah like, that's not what i thought this was going to be at all like if i look at the, the the back of the box of a call of duty it's just gonna say um uh blood blood and violence rated mm-hmm. m if i look at the back of uh Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, it's going to be prostitution uh, and uh, the whole shebang with that. Yeah, so I'd definitely be interested in a better rating system, one that's less restrictive, and the idea of context. That's Mm -hmm. definitely a major part. Like, if something is going to be rated R, and the only thing that they have in the R rating is, well, there are gay themes... Then, <laughs> one, I, then I can be, like, upset that it's rated R, but also know, like, as a parent, well, I'm still going to bring my kid to this because mm-hmm. I'm more liberal than this conservative um, rating. Mm-hmm. But overall, what I hear, and this is from the, the documentary, This Film Is Not Yet Rated, that's where most of my knowledge comes from, as well as just, like, research and people talking about it in passing, um, the MPAA, they use the fear of government censorship to sort of keep control in the motion picture industry. And they're sort of like, well, if it's not us, then who? The government? And so people... You don't want the government <laughs> doing it, do you? And we're like, yeah, no, we, we don't. <laughs> and one, one of the people interviewed in the documentary was like, we don't. But at this point, it might be better because at the very least, the government has judicial review. Mm-hmm. You can talk to them and say why, and they'll give you reasons. Yeah, you can. Yeah. So you might have to fill out a lot of forms, but there are forms to be filled out. <laughs> exactly. And then you can get to the bottom of it. And this is just literally a separate agency that you have to, to my understanding, pay to get your oh, yeah. movie reviewed to. I know I was listening to a video game podcast. A lot of independent films as well. Like, obviously, they're putting like all their like heart and passion and like money into this film. Another part of money has to be set aside to even put a rating so this can be like sold to the public. Yeah, I heard there was this um, British filmmaker who was protesting the British version of the MPAA because they were kind of like pushing out independent filmmakers because the fee to submit a film was so Mm -hmm. high but he knew that they had to watch that they had to um watch every single second because like they needed to catch if something needed to be censored so there were kind of like two things he was protesting so he crowdfunded the fee and then just submitted like a video of paint drying so he (laughs) painted a wall and then just pointed the camera at it and waited for it to dry and then sent that in. And I had to watch the whole thing. Got him. <laughs> so take that. <laughs> that is pretty, it's amusing. Uh, but also, also doesn't like, fix anything. <laughs> it doesn't fix anything, but it at least brings up awareness and a good point of who's in charge, mm-hmm. why are they in charge? And uh, this idea of questioning authority, but also like acting on it not just like oh what an arbitrary rating system oh well i'm old enough i'm gonna go watch whatever movie i want like you need to be considering the fact that a lot of movies are never going to be in theaters because of someone else's moral choices Mm -hmm. um and a lot of movies aren't going to be made because they won't get the right amount of audience and so it's really frustrating when we if we're going back to deadpool It took them years and years to finally get someone to say, fine, 
will let you have an R rating. And everyone loved it. Yeah. But it took them like a decade to finally be like, sure, we'll see if it works. Yeah. And But watch yourself, Reynolds. <laughs> yeah, really. And like this these are the sort of films that set those precedents for the future films that allow uh, the envelope to be pushed sort of further and further and then make the rating the one step below the PG-13 and it's like well in one step above an R you got away with this so what can we now explore upon more with the, with the, the rating PG-13. below it mm-hmm. exactly I would almost argue because of the creation of PG-13 I've seen some stuff in some PG movies and I'm like wow really? yeah <laughs> <laughs> well let's it's not as harsh as a 13-year-old can handle, but also, like, is a 10-year-old supposed to... Um, and right after Deadpool, with its huge success, we got Logan, mm-hmm. which is an R-rated Wolverine movie that I never knew I wanted. Until I saw Until it, and I, I was like, wow, all the wasted years. That is what happens if a man with uh, three adamantium claws rips into someone. Wow, yeah. <laughs> I want all of the X-Men movies redone. As our films, still with Hugh Jackman. <laughs> and it's just the juggernaut ripping people in half. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I said, he never, in Deadpool 2, he never said, I'm the juggernaut, bitch. I, was, I wonder if that's trademarked almost. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> I was going to bring that up before. I was surprised in this meta self-referential movie they didn't mention a line that is a literal meme. <laughs> but True. <laughs> um, I did want to bring that up because in Deadpool he specifically mentions Wolverine rode my coattails to get the R rating. So they know that they opened the door for this like R-rated superhero mass-marketed project. There was even that side comment in the beginning it's like we only lost a passion in the Christ and that was only here in these God-fearing states. We won domestic where (laughs) where there is no God. Where there is no God. Dan, you mentioned you see things now in PG that you're like, oh, wow, how is that? Mm-hmm. Um, that just goes to show the context and like the historical, cultural nature that needs to be brought in. So Midnight Cowboy was X-rated when it came out in the 70s, and it was still nominated for an Academy Award. It's the only one to be nominated. I think it won. Um, that also had the X rating. But if that were made today it would definitely only be R. It wouldn't even be an NC-17. So it really just comes with the cultural context of like what people are okay with seeing. And so I think now you're, you're absolutely right. It's because of the PG-13. PG is like, well, I guess let's push the envelope a little bit more mm-hmm. and like see what we can get away with. But like we said, you know, Jaws was PG. <laughs> There were old westerns where people were getting shot off of horses that were G. There and, are, yeah. Yeah, so it's just... Yeah. I think for me, what's most frustrating is those Hollywood hiccups and Hollywood dilemmas that invade the story that I want to see. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Avengers episode, I talked about the limitations of the actors with their contracts and like Mm -hmm. the story has to follow based on if the actor's available and all of that. And this much larger scale aspect is the rating system of we will never hear like the full story of someone's intention because they're always restricted to this boundary of a rating system. 
-hmm. And it always comes down to marketing. Who can I sell this movie to? Who can I get to watch this movie? And how am I going to restrict the real story that I'm going to get to say just so that I can make money off of it or just so that people can actually watch it? Right. So that's annoying. (laughs) That'll do it for this episode. Thank you all so much for listening. Please tune in next week when we talk about Devil Man Crybaby and anime culture. If you liked us, find us on Twitter and Instagram at two underscore bald men and find us on Facebook. And don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you all so much again, and if you are driving, we hope you got to your destination safely and on time.